This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. So should we talk about the Lakers game? What do you think? Do you want to get into that? Is that too too painful of a memory? Of the end of Lakers game, that? you mean, where they the almost the had a historic game. letdown and lost <laughs> the game? Yeah, we so could talk my- about it. My experience of the Lakers game was different. So I was at a wedding. And like I said, I was getting a bunch of texts about the game, frustrated and everything. Um, and then, so we leave the wedding I, and go to a bar afterwards. And I look and they're up like 15 points in overtime. And I'm, I'm like, why is everybody so mad? And then I get your text saying, if there's ever a chance to fire Doc after a win, this is it. So I went back, I watched it, you know, looked at the box score and everything. And yeah, that was pretty disgusting. And, you know, to your <laughs> point, one thing I did notice was a, a lack of, I mean, D'Anthony Melton had the ball a lot. It seems he had a few turnovers. So I guess my question to you would be, and to everyone out there, like, why is that on doc? And what, why is that a fire doc moment? Just because of the sloppiness, just because of the fact that it should never happen because it's historic. Like what, what, what's the, what did you see there in terms of main issues? I guess. Uh, amongst many well so one thing you could specifically blame on doc is i think there was a moment with 28 seconds left or 20 something seconds left where they're up like seven points yep and he for basically no reason calls a timeout and you're mm-hmm. letting the lakers get set and like they get to go in the huddle and get their act together just like you do yeah. rather than with with that sort of lead with that amount of time left they're probably not pressing you that hard and you could have just thrown the ball in. If they want to foul you, they foul you. So that was, it's almost like a butterfly effect from there, right? Like they turn the ball over immediately after that. And part of it is just people always are going to blame the coach when something like this happens, right? Like this is just, there are so many people. I, I think the problem and the reason it ultimately goes back to the coach for a lot of people and that I don't disagree with them on this when it's a bunch of guys all making mistakes, it's like a, a team-wide execution issue rather than, oh, this guy just had four brain cramps in the span of 30 seconds. It becomes harder to dismiss as it's a this guy problem versus, well, this is a team-wide problem. And there's no reason that a team that has, you know, James Harden, who's been through a million playoff series, has a ton of experience. Joel, despite the fact that he's had a lot of crunch time issues, plenty of experience at this. I mean, hard to do though, for what it's worth. Well, that's what I mean. So, like, you have have a bunch of guys guys you want closing a game. Is kind of what you're saying. 
you have a bunch of guys that even if they have playoff and crunch time issues, it's a regular season game in December. You shouldn't be tripping all over yourselves. Yes. Tobias, another guy has played forever. DeAnthony is young, but he's played enough at this point that it's not like, oh my God, this is the first time I've been in a close game in the final two minutes in the NBA. So I, I think because of the talent they have, it just becomes like, well, this has to be on doc that they're not prepared for this. And it's also going back to just the reputation him and his teams have had historically, right? Like he's the only coach that has overseen all these three, one leads evaporating in playoff series. We saw what happened within that Atlanta series that they lost, that mm-hmm. they had a historic collapse in one of them. They fell all over themselves in crunch time in game seven. And so it just feels like, and to me, you have to think about, well, Maybe it's a Joel team thing at this yeah, point that's because what, it happened yeah. it happened pre-doc, but that was because Joel was only tangentially involved with uh a lot of it on, on Friday, I'd find it hard to be like, well, it was the Joel problem because it yeah. was just everybody screwing up at once. And at least Joel was awesome against the Lakers. Right. He I had a great that, game. So you're also not gonna yeah. be like, Well, it's his fault that they were my thing with the playoffs is sometimes you'll see him come up small and, but he hasn't really done much for the whole second half or he's, you know, it's not just those last three minutes. He, he'll he disappear for long stretches of the fourth quarter in general. I mean, the Hawks game, I think the Hawks series, there was one where I don't think he scored in the final nine minutes or whatever. We obviously, I remember what he did against Miami. So he's here. I'm again, ripping Joel. I don't, I don't want to be the, the anti Joel guy, but it's, you're right. You know, when you talk about these crunch moments, to me, I don't put the blame on Doc. He's not out there on the court. I, you know, he's not telling them to throw it away. He's not telling them Matisse Thibel to have that dumb foul. I mean, he, he's not telling them to do those things. Thibel, well, by the way, does I put, think so. I, I was going to say he does put Matisse in that situation, though. In spite well, of he's the probably their that, best defender. If you know, but he I take also, that yeah. we he's laugh about up. this. We laugh about this on press row all the time. He is going to foul in a clutch situation like nine times out of ten. If you think about all the possessions he's been brought in on where he's like, we got to get a stop here. He has to have fouled guys on just an absolutely absurd number. I mean, look at the Hawks series. Is he not the luckiest guy in the world that Ben caught all the heat? Now, obviously, Ben deserves it more. But he, he, he misses the dunk when Ben passes it to him. Not the end of the world, but whatever. He misses it. And then he fouls the shooter on the other end. So he consistently comes up small. And that's my thing with blaming Doc with these end of game situations. And I would fire Doc because why not? Although I do have a Doc point coming up on if there's anything he's good for, this would be it. But the bottom line is I think the Lakers thing, the end of game situations to me is on the players way more than Doc. The majority of these guys are not young. The majority of these guys have been in the NBA for a long time. That's the benefit of having a win now team. If you're going to have a win now team with veteran players, they should know what to do at the end of games. It shouldn't be on Doc to hold their hand through not blowing a nine point lead in the last 30 seconds. I, I mostly agree with you, but the counterpoint to that is, you know, if you're in those situations in the playoffs, in a lot of these coaching matchups, they will be at a disadvantage. Like they will 100%. have coaches who will throw more exotic things at them. Um, like we actually saw another thing goes back to coaching. The Lakers got back into the game in the first half after it looked like, you know, Joel had that crazy first quarter and it looks like they're about to go into cruise control with AD and foul trouble. And then the Lakers brought Davis back in and they just sat in zone and the Sixers sucked against zone defense for 
about four straight minutes before they brought Joel back in the game. And, you know, the solution can't always be, well, we have to have Joel bail us out of this, right? And that was a situation where Paul Reed was probably not fit to be the guy to play against zone defense. And maybe you say, I'm going to sub Paul out. And as bad as P.J. Tucker has been, we'll just go small and we'll play five out and we're going to dare them to concede open threes to us. And you do something like that. And those are the things that Doc doesn't do that I think people get mad about. And like the the sort of in-game, all right, this isn't working. We got to fix something quickly. He tends to stick with what he thinks is the right initial approach for too long. And I think that's what people really get stuck on. And so there are, there are probably better examples throughout the game than crunch time to say, you know, maybe this guy is not the leader that they need.